Welcome everyone to our podcast. Today we're going to talk about bilingualism. My name is Mauricio Paella and I am a member of Fonifel's Community Manager. And to learn more about this topic, we are here with Jermaine Sylvester McDougald. Jermaine, welcome. It's a pleasure to have you with us. Thank you, Mauricio, for the invitation. All right. Uh, could you please intro introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, well, as Mauricio just said, my name is Jermaine McDougall. I currently work at University of La Sabana, where I am the director of ELT Business Development at the International Center of Foreign Languages and Cultures at the University, where I'm pretty much responsible for overseeing, looking at uh, a lot of issues, all the issues related to, I should say, bilingualism, uh, both at the university within, as well as on the outside, in terms of uh, social outreach, uh, working with you know different entities, etc., on trying to improve, I should say, their competences uh, in, in the second or third or fourth language. That's awesome. Well, we invited you here because we know that you've been part of the Chair of TESOL for many editions, and as you know, Fonifel has participated in TESOL Colombia 2021, and during the event, we explained the era of bilingualism through our technological tools, in this case, our apps to learn English. At the same time, Fonifel has been selected as a finalist as one of the best institutions that promote the English language in Colombia. English is an important language in our society, but unfortunately, not all Colombians speak English. And that's why we want you to tell us a little bit more about English language learning and bilingualism in Colombia. Let me start with the first question. What do you think about bilingualism in Colombia? Well, Mauricio, that is a very challenging first question. Uh, I have my, both my personal issue, my own personal views, but also my professional views. I would say that bilingualism in Colombia, we have come a long way. Uh, we, can, we, can date Colum we can date bilingualism back in our country to more than, I should say, more than 100 years. Uh, English, per se, uh, arrived on the scene about 55 years or so here, making it a bit more interesting for the Colombian. However, nowadays, after going from, you know, I should say English, we also have, there's, there's Italian, there's, there's German, there's French, and there are many other languages that we have in our country. I was going, I guess I'm just going to focus on English for the most part. Uh, we have done a lot over the years in terms of bilingualism. We have come a long way, but still we have a long way to go. I think uh, bilingualism per se, um, we have a mix between both private entities and we have public entities. Um, as you know, you know, uh, we have, I should say, bilingualism or English per se is part of, you know, I should say the political agenda for, you know, for years to come. Uh, it doesn't just arrive yesterday. It's not going to go away tomorrow. And so because of that, we have institutions like Phonyville that have dedicated, you know, lots of time, energy in terms of trying to enhance or make bilingualism or the English Spanish version a lot better. We have things to do in terms of teacher training because I've, I'm a firm believer in if I am able to make a difference in the teacher, the teacher has access to, I should say, hundreds or even thousands of students. And then that same teacher can also make an impact within the institution. And as time progresses, those institutions start to make an impact within the community. I look at it as more of an ecosystem, an ecosystem related to English and, and Spanish and bilingualism per se. Because once again, the institutions, they have really good ideas, but we also need to learn to work together. How these ecosystems between public and private, they can kind of go together. Uh, what are we doing with the teachers? What are we doing with the students? And what other resources do we have available in order to help them actually uh, make this a reality? It's a really complex system with a lot of aspects to keep in mind. What are the benefits of learning English? 
benefits of learning English. There's a lot. That's another interesting question. But I, I would say that there are really lots of benefits. I would first start with talking about, uh, I should say, maybe, um, you know, our brain, you know, memory improvement and things of that nature. Uh, where lots of things are going on with the brain. And so the brain allows us, since we're working on, I should say, two languages simultaneously at the same time, uh, we're able to do so many different things, Mauricio. And as a result of doing so many different things, uh, it keeps our brain sharp. It keeps us away from, I should say, um, diseases within the brain. And we actually can do a lot more in that particular instance. Also, you know, by doing that, memory improvement keeps our brain sharp. But also we talk about, I should say, attention spans. And so as a result, we, are, we have become multitaskers people that are labeled as, as a being bilingual or trilingual or multilingual in that particular instance. Now, when I talk about English, English is even more interesting because, you know, English comes from, I should say, origins, for example, Germanic, uh, Latin, as well as French, uh, providing us, as English speakers, with, you know, what a humongous advantage over other people in that particular instance. We also talk about improved focus and, and also improved focus. In what sense? Um, bilingual brains, they pay attention to a lot of other things as well. Once again, Proving that, you know, if I go switch from English to Spanish, Spanish to English, switching between languages, it allows for and what we call improved concentration skills. Yeah, in that particular instance. Let's go to another one. Let's talk about maybe education enhancement. Education enhancement, uh, which is another area in, in which, you know, I should say um, learning English, um, you know, brings us many different other opportunities and things of nature. Well, you know, we're, we're able to, you know, cross borders in order to study and, and, and study and, and, and do what we want to do in any other country around the world. Uh, we're able to get advanced degrees. Uh, we're able to actually connect to some of that knowledge that we have throughout uh, the rest of the world. Uh, in case you didn't know, you know, the majority of the information that you find, information that we find anywhere, uh, I should say anywhere from 60 to 70% of that information is in the English language. So once again, I have access to a whole nother world in that particular instance, etc. Allowing me to advance in my career, allow me just to, you know, be a better individual in that particular instance, connecting with other ideas. Another one that a lot of people, at least here in our Colombian context, we look at it as better employment opportunities. So I'm like, okay, better employment opportunities, what sense? That's right. Uh, I have an opportunity to do so much more. So, you know, there's job advancement. Uh, we're talking about higher salaries. Uh, I'm able to, you know, I should say, go from one country to another, one job to another. I have flexibility because as you know, but both English and Spanish, these are the two languages that are most spoken around the world. So if I am well-versed in both of those languages, well, I should say my employment opportunities, not just here in Colombia, but my employment opportunities throughout the world, actually the doors open even more so in that particular instance. We talked about things like, you know, uh, the language of science. English, for example, is the language in science. It's also the language officially used in aviation. We talk about computers, okay, diplomacy, as well as tourism. So if I let's look at those, you know, large areas, those industries, you know, the, you know, the sky's the limit in that particular instance. And once again, um, I should say it's been noted in some studies uh, that I should say having English or, or have, being bilingual, it, it provides me access to about 10 or even 15% increase in terms of salary, which is once again, something very interesting, not just for me, but for anyone I think involved in that particular instance. Uh, I can also say, for example, uh, increased travel opportunities. So we had talked about uh, traveling, we talked about access to education, we talked about employment. What about travel opportunities? The same, you know, um, we have more than 50 English speaking countries around the world, 50. So by having those more than 50, you know, opportunities, we can go over and not, not even talking about the countries where English is the official language or the national language. We have different uh, variables there 
And so the numbers can either go up or they go down, but more than likely they're going to go up. So once again, being able to go around, I remember, you know, living in countries like, you know, Japan, where I didn't speak Japanese or kanji at the time. English was my, my backup plan. Uh, I remember going to Greece where my, my Greek was not uh, living in Greece. My Greek was not the best. However, English and Spanish turned out to be my backup plan. So as you can see, throughout the world, we're going to have opportunities to, to, to actually speak both languages and people are, you know, opened up to those types of things as well. And well, like I said, again, at the end of the day, we can also say without just going into more areas, you know, we talk about entertainment. Uh, I come across a lot of people, Mauricio, and they ask me, I ask them, so why are you learning English? Why do you care about this? Well, because, you know, I want to access movies. I want to, I want access to movies. I want to also, you know, maybe produce my own films in English. I want to listen to music. You know, I, I just love music, but I really want to understand what they're saying. So, you know, it's intrigued me. So as a result of that, I am doing these types of things also in English. And well, once again, once I still learn English, and like I said, English is, you know, by mastering English, you know, from Spanish to English, Portuguese to English, French to English, I also have access to other languages, which means that, you know, it's going to make it a lot easier for me to learn another language. So those are just some of the highlights. I can go on for days talking about the benefits of learning either English or the benefits of being bilingual. Right. I think many people ignore many of those benefits, but well, here you go. There are the benefits of learning English. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who wants to learn English? Well, advice. There's a lot. I, I would just I would I would stick to a couple of things. Um, just a few days ago, I was talking to a colleague in Barranquilla who was trying to figure out what he wants to do in terms of uh, helping others to, to learn English. Some of the tips I gave him, I think I think it would also be, I should say, val um, um, valid here, is that when we're learning English, we need to we understand why we want to learn the language. Uh, what are my motivations, both intrinsic and extrinsic? Uh, most people, they say, well, I want to travel. Okay, so your motivation is travel or is your motivation something else? Why? Motivation is key because if I don't understand why my motivation or what my motivation is to study um, that second or third language, uh, I'm going to lose, I should say, face later on. I'm going to lose my focus later on. So once again, I think it's very clear that we understand why we want to study that language. Is it for study? Is it for travel? Is it because I want to meet someone abroad? Is it because I want access to something else? Why? Because when I'm starting to learn the language, I'm able to focus my energies on why I started this at the beginning. Uh, that's one. Two, I would also say, I would also give you a tip in terms of uh, make sure that your time, you have time to study the language. Um, I hear lots of horror stories, especially at the beginning of the year. Uh, January, February, which is the boom to learn a new language. Uh, why? Because, well, they say, well, you know what? I didn't learn. I went to you know, whatever institution I went to, whatever class I had a private teacher, I did lots of things, but I didn't learn anything. So why? Because did you dedicate time to study on the outside of the classroom? Are you going to the classes like you're supposed to? Um, did you even buy the resources or materials that you have? Are you doing anything yourself in order to better and make life work? So lots of times people, they start this journey in terms of learning English, but they usually do not get there because there's no time. They don't have enough time. Uh, they work very long hours. Uh, they come home late at night, they're tired. Uh, usually in the first couple of weeks of class, they're really excited. But as a result of, you know, certain variables, you know, that are, you know, outside of the classroom, they don't come back. And so they get frustrated with their English language. Uh, another tip I would say that, you know, believe in yourself. Everyone has the capacity uh, to learn English. If you want to, you can. Uh, people say, no, it's better if I'm, if I'm a teenager, it's better if I'm a young kid, it's better if I'm a young learner, but no, I'm sorry, I can't. No, 
all of us, unless we have some type of cognitive block or some type of, I should say, um, uh, I should say we have, you know, we have some other special conditions, uh, you know, what, what does not allow us to learn. Well, you know, if I'm not in that category, everyone else, they have the possibility to learn. But once again, you have to believe in yourself like anything else. So if we are not going to believe in ourselves, nor do I know the reasons why I want to study. It's going to be difficult for us to move forward in that particular instance. So I would say, and to, to, to summarize, understand why I want to learn English. Two, you know, organize my time so that I can actually do it. Three, I have to do things on my own in order to actually help with the, what I'm doing inside the classroom, etc. And four, I always look for opportunities where I can use the language. For example, I am also practicing. I'm trying to learn French. Yeah, I've been trying now for years, but I, I'm, 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 I'm going to push it. I keep pushing at it. What do I do? I take time throughout the day to use some of the apps on my cell phone, apps on my on my tablet, and I also try to look at small programs, you know, programs, you know, that are maybe designed for children. Uh, you know, nursery rhymes and, and other things like that. So I do those types of things in order to help me become familiarized. Am I fluent in French? No. Am I reading a lot better? A lot. Do I understand? Yes, I do. So I am making progress and I feel good about myself in that particular instance. That's awesome. So you mentioned that you've uh, been a long time teaching and have a lot of experience abroad. And from your personal point of view, how should a good quality education be in terms of bilingualism? Sure. I get this question a lot, Mauricio, because, uh, you know, um, consulting with schools and, and other universities and other institutions, uh, both here in Colombia on the, as well as on the outside, you know, Peru, Ecuador, Mexico from time to time, the question comes up, you know, I think the key word here is quality. And I think quality could co corresponds to consistency. Quality could corresponds to, obviously, uh, continuous improvement. For starters, I would say that, you know, we need to, you know, depending on what type of institution I have. So if I'm looking at an institution where languages, you know, is what I am pushing and organizing, I need to be consistent in those types of things. I need to train my teachers. So my teachers need, teachers are key in any of the variables we look at. Teachers are key. One, two, I need to have a program that is consistent with my context. You see, uh, English for us here in Colombia is English as a foreign language. Lots of schools, institutions and organizations, they, they try to push English as a second language. Why? Because it's a foreign language, because it, for me it's foreign. I do not need English to survive outside of my classroom, outside of my home. When I go to Exito, I don't need English. When I go to Transmillennium here in Bogota, I don't need English. That's the difference, some of the large differences between what a foreign language and a second language. So I think that our curriculums, our programs, they need to be designed according to the context. Now, if I've already, you know, superseded the, the foreign language requirements, go for it. Then you start working on second language requirements, which is fine. However, most people, we start out with the wrong curriculum, with the wrong program. And that's why many of our, our, our I should say, Colombian citizens, they have a difficulty, you know, trying to move forward in that things. Also, in terms of quality, I think that uh, as opposed to having quality teachers, uh, qualified teachers, not necessarily native speakers. OK, keyword here being qualified, like you said, quality programs, qualified teachers, qualified teachers tells me that they have either gone through some type of formal or even informal training programs. Uh, they um, they have the language skills that are necessary in order to once again teach the language. They have knowledge of the language because lots of times you would find we don't that, you know, lots of teachers in the classrooms. They don't have that. Uh, they have patience. They, they are they are empathetic towards, I should say, our, our the, the learners. 
you know, they can actually put themselves in the shoes of their learner from time to time. They are also sensitive to the needs of what we call second language acquisition, uh, meaning that I know that, you know, Pedro and Carolina, they're going to sound a bit different. I need to be patient with Pedro because he's taking longer. Carolina's a lot faster. I need to plan, organize and help Carolina to reach her goals, but I also need to help Pedro come to Carolina's standards. So we need to be empathetic. We need to be understanding in that particular instance. Quality corresponds to evaluating consistently, Mauricio. In what sense? Um, my programs here, I need to have checks and balances in place in order to ensure that the teaching and learning process is going to be successful. How does that work? Well, uh, you know, their interviews from time to time, their focus groups, their surveys, and also this, the, the results at the end of the day, are my students able to communicate in the second language? If so, great. If they can't, why not? And what am I doing as an institutional organization to make things better? Those are just some of the things, highlights, I would say, Mauricio, you know, in, in large terms, you know, how we can, I should say, um, provide, organize, and look for good quality educational programs that have English language teaching uh, uh, as, a, as a core component. Absolutely right. So uh, before we were talking about those people who call themselves viejitos, um many people who think that they are too old to learn english what do you think about that well adult learners are a unique uh are a, a new a unique i should say category group of learners why because um i would just when i say older i'm going to just put a number it doesn't say it's old you know but it's older than the average student so think about an individual that's 40 years old i would just use 40 as a good number you know just because it's halfway there and it's so on and so forth a 40-year-old has 40 years of experience already in Spanish, has 40 years of experience already learning a language, interacting and communicating a certain way. It has 40 years of habits that's already been developed, okay? Uh, 40 years of, I said, how do we say in Colombia? Manas, yeah, that have already been established in terms of using the language. So with that in mind, those 40 years, I need to figure out how I can complement what that person has done over the 40 years with the new language. So there are strategies and there are also methods that are much more appropriate for adult learners. My adult learners are not going to be playing and coloring on the floor like I would do with my young learners. I have to find, I have to help my, my adult learners to do what? Um, get motivated first. So what is that motivation? Motivation in what sense? Uh, is it I need, I need to learn English because of a, a job opportunity? Is it because my job has already selected me to move to another country and I have to learn the language within six months? So what do I try to do is what we call, I try to lower Mauricio, what we call that effective filter. Those variables that actually um, uh, get into get in the way of me learning, but not just the language, but learning in general. So once I lower that effective filter, lower it, uh, I'm able to actually get in and help them to become a better individuals in terms of learning the language. How so? Being patient, uh, building their confidence, uh, um, making connection between what we're doing inside the classroom, okay, with what they have to do on outside of the classroom for their jobs, for, for their families, etc. Look for connections that actually can make a difference for them. So instead of me talking about something that's just so artificial, Mauricio, you know, that this it's in my course book or somewhere, I change, adapt my course book to something that actually they need. So I understand that you are the business manager of, you know, this particular company. Okay, so describe your company. So instead of me saying describe the hotel or describe your living room, okay, describe your company. I'm going to give them tips, ideas, vocabulary, language to help them describe. Okay, now we're going to be looking at comparing and contrasting. Well, with a young learner, I would compare and contrast two cars, a blue car and a red car. Okay, uh, a big house and a smaller house. Now I'm going to compare maybe 
uh, two different brands. Okay, so here is one brand, here's another brand. So what are the benefits of this brand? What are the benefits of this brand? What do these brands have in common? So I start to use real life, authentic, genuine, I should say language, resources and materials in order to help those adult learners. Because for starters, I told you again, adult learners, they have to be motivated to learn the language. If there's no motivation, both intrinsic or, you know, internal, which means that, you know what, I need to go see my grandson that was just born in California. And I'm going, I'm thinking about moving to, you know, from Colombia to California to live with my daughter and her husband. I need to learn a language. I'm excited to see my family. I'm excited to be part of my, that's one option. You see, internal, yeah. External tells me that I have Francesco, you know, who wants to also go to New York, but it's for job promotion. I mean, he's going to get paid more money. So as a result, that extrinsic motivation, that external motivating factor is money, resources, something different. So I need to figure out what's going to make them move. I use those motivators in order to help out in my classroom. And those things, they go a long way. Trust me, confidence is key. Uh, you know, an older adult student, they need to have a lot of confidence because they're always going to do what? Second guess themselves. Am I saying it okay? Did I say it the right way? Can you help me again? Teacher, can you, did I say it right? Should I repeat it? So they're always going to second guess. Why? Because what did I say, Mauricio? They have 40 years of experience already built on them. 40 years of saying the same thing and it's okay. So if I have 40 minutes of saying things that are okay, now I'm going to be judged I'm going to be looked at. I'm going to be evaluated for using a language that's not mine. After 40 years, oh, what am I going to do? So then that's why we are saying so. If I try to lower some of those effective filters, build their confidence, build their security in using the language with easy things, I build up to more complex things and I keep going until voila, guess what? We are speaking, interacting and doing things in a language. It's a really interesting point of view to see how to adapt to this group of people. Okay. Now, on the other hand, we have uh, young people. What about starting the process of learning English at a young age? What is your opinion and experience about it? Well, it's good. I, I, I practice what I preach, Mauricio, because I have a 15-year-old, but he wasn't 15, you know, the entire life. He, you know, it was, we started out years ago. So Nicholas, uh, my son's Nicholas. And so with Nicholas, we did a lot of things together. So um, once again, you know, English was a very important part of my household because that's what I speak as my first language. And he also had Spanish also as his first language. So we're going to have two languages simultaneously going, going all at the same time. It helped when the child's parents, one or both of the parents actually speak the language or they have an interest for learning English. Why? Because when a kid comes home at the end of the day, you know, it would be good for them to interact somehow with other adult, to ask questions, to answer questions, to figure out some things. So, but it's not always the case, but it would be good. I remember when I tried to learn English, tried to learn Spanish when I was living in the U.S., it was just me, my Spanish teacher, uh, classmates, and that's it. I would go home and well, there's no interaction in Spanish at all, at least not in those days. Now, life is a bit different in the U.S., but back then it wasn't. Playing in English is good, you know, so being able to play, interact in English. So when we talk about teaching English to young learners, play is, is, is at the very top of the list. Okay, uh, we play, um, we experiment, uh, lots of hands-on materials, hands-on types of things with them because it's it's an opportunity for them not only just to, I should say, um, interact with the language, but it's a very natural, I should say, transition or natural way of learning 
with young learners, be it in English, Spanish, French, German, or Italian, and apprentices. Okay, uh, reading is a lot. Of, reading is good. They will. What do you mean reading? No, not the newspaper, of course. <laughs> but bedtime stories, storybooks. They got the big books, they got the smaller ones, and even smaller ones. So reading is good to them as well. So I would read to Nicholas. I would read stories. Uh, reading, um, as you know, with young learners, they have rhythm, they have rhyme, their patterns. Okay, and so it helps the students to focus on what I. They can listen to me at the beginning. As time progress, I get them to read. We read together. It helps them to work on pitch, intonation, tone, and a few other things right there every day. So reading should become a habit. It's a ritual at the end of the day. Uh, a bedtime story, it's making it a reality. So those are some of the things we talk about in that particular instance. A lot of the illustrated storybooks are good because they can see the pictures and they can actually decode the messages. Now, maybe they don't know the words, but they can decode by saying words like blue, flower, big, Okay, a car, and, and so they start to construct, even though, and that's the purpose of having what we call an illustrated storybook. They're really good in that particular instance. We can also talk about um, the different sounds uh, that we use. You know, we can associate the sounds, for example, especially my young learners, you know, we got sounds from the farm. Ooh, yeah. I got sounds from the zoo. I got sounds that I would, and so lots of things that we can do, I should say, that kind of help us to make a distinction between different things. Tongue twisters, you know, get them, getting them to, to, to say certain sounds, you know, uh, and the certain sounds help us to, to, to build and to do other things as well. And so these are, there are lots of things that we can do with young learners, but I would say for starters, Mauricio, that when we talk about young learners, we need to play. Playing is fun. The attention span is short. Uh, make a connection to their real lives. Um, I should say, be able to color arts, crafts, draw things, make things, uh, present. And so it's good. I really enjoy, you know, working with young learners. Uh, I really enjoy working with them because uh, they, uh, their brain is elastic. And so up until from, you know, one to 12 years old, they are able to absorb so much because they are not questioning yet. They're not judgmental yet. They, you know, if it's, if it's blue, it's blue. Okay. My teacher said it's blue. I remember my son growing up and, and I had, and it was interesting because at one of his, um, it was in preschool. I'll give you a quick story just to kind of help you kind of kind of close the close this picture here. And you know we we're working on the fruits. He went to school, and and so they were doing the fruits in Spanish, and my son was giving the names of the fruits in English. The teacher stopped and said, "No, sorry, you don't do that." And he said, "Yes, you know, my dad said that this is an apple. No, it's manzana. It's an apple." So what happened is that lots of times adults, since we do not understand the process of acquiring two languages simultaneously especially in our school systems, and even parents ourselves, we are not aware of it, we can do much more damage than good. What the teacher should have said is like, you know what, Nicolas, you're right. In Spanish, in Espanol, this is manzana. In English, like your dad, it's, it's an apple. Because when they're very young, they don't understand Spanish or English. They understand how mommy talks or how daddy talks. You see, how Mr. Brown talks or Miss Cecilia talks. That, that's how they understand. As time progressed, they understand that they're talking or communicating in two different languages. So like I said again, uh, kids are about, you know, sponges. They are sponges. They absorb everything that we have before them. And the goal is that we provide them with opportunities, games, rituals, habits, routines. Uh, and the confidence level there, it, it, it builds easily because, you know, they're doing it. It's fun for them, you know, it's fun to build something in English. It's fun to write something in English. It's fun to do lots of these things. So, like I said again, that's what I can tell you in terms of learning English.
for young. I mean, providing I should say opportunities for for students at young at a young age to do to to, to actually learn the language. Well, absolutely. And finally, but not least, what reflection about bilingualism would you give to the audience who is listening to you? What reflections would I give? I would give. I would say that uh, never give up. Um, never give up. I would say that um, you need to find your inner peace and figure out what your inner motivations. Why is it that you want to learn English? As a result of you wanting to learn English, there are so many opportunities and possibilities nowadays. Uh, I would also tell you that you know it is not difficult. It's a challenge, like anything else in life. It's a challenge, but it's not difficult, nor is it impossible. People say lots of times that you know I can't. Estoy negado para el inglés. No, no puedo. I can't. No. Try to take out some of those negative thoughts and feelings about learning the language. Turn them into positive feelings. I can't learn English. I can't get better. I can't do this for me. And so when you replace the negative feelings, thoughts, and ideas with positive thoughts, feelings, and ideas, you would be surprised how your brain is going to react. And so once you connect those types of things, you're actually going to, to have progress. Like I said again, if you're going to learn English, you can start today. Uh, but make sure you understand why you want to learn English. Yeah, is it because your husband is it because your wife or because your mom or your dad, you need to find your own motivations in order to do this. And as by finding your own motivations, it's going to help you stay on track in order to progress into many other things in life. So, like I said, English is possible. There are many different routines, Mauricio, uh, methods and approaches available for any and everyone. Uh, there are many different applications. OK, uh, I use several apps here in order to help me, you know, understand my French journey. I told you I'm trying to learn French, so I'm using different apps to help me. I have some books that I listen to, uh, books that I read, uh, course books. I have some CDs that I listen to as well. I have music that I interact with. But like I said, again, every individual is different. What works for me may not work for you, Mauricio or may not work for my, my neighbor, Sandra, or may not work for, you know, my other sister, you know, uh, Helen, it may not work. So we have to find opportunities that works for us because each and every one of us are individuals, you see? And don't be afraid or shy about your accents. We all have accents. I've been speaking Spanish for more than 30 years and I still have an accent in Spanish. And so people say, but how is it possible? I think it's like 35 or 36 years. I don't want to talk too much. Then you start to discover how old I am. But it's been a while and I still have an accent. The accents help us, makes us unique. There is Colombian English. We need to understand it, respect it and embrace it. You see? And so we don't have to speak like someone else. We can, I can speak like Jermaine. Mauricio can speak like Mauricio and we can all enjoy life. Because why? At the end of the day, the goal is for us to do what? Communicate with each other. Cool. So there you go. Motivation, discipline and more. So, Jermaine, <laughs> thank you so much for your time and for explaining everything we need to know about bilingualism. To our audience, thank you for listening to this podcast. We invite you to follow Ponyfeld on social media at Ponyfeld and visit our website, www.ponyfeld.com. See you next time. <laughs>